1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is just a reminder that the Dear Prudence podcast happens twice a week. Slate Plus members get an additional mini episode every Friday. Sign up now to listen at slate.com slash we have a favor to ask. Our partner is conducting a survey and we'd be grateful for your help in answering a few questions. It'll take less than 10 minutes of your time and your participation helps support our advertisers. Please go to SlateStudy.com to complete the short survey now. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you! Hello and welcome back to the Dear Prudence Show once again. And as always, I am your host, Daniel Mallory Ortberg, also known as Dear Prudence. With me in the studio this week is Amira El Sayed, a German slash Egyptian Londoner who advises organizations around the world on how they can have a positive social impact. Amira, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I, I truly, truly hope that every organization can have a positive social impact. I'm thinking of a handful where I'm wondering if maybe they can't, Uh, but that's not our business today. Our business today is not to advise organizations, but to advise individuals about how to live um, in slightly less painful ways, if that's possible.
0: Slightly less, if it's possible.
1: Yeah. Some days we have uh, big ambitions. I think today my goal at least is going to be just slightly less painful. If we can get through this and I feel like everyone will be in a little bit less pain at the end. I will be happy. I will be satisfied.
0: (laughs) Yes, same here. And I mean, some of those uh, are pretty painful. Yes.
1: So speaking of which, our first letter is a little long and involved. So I'm going to take a crack at it. I don't want to throw you into the deep end right away. I will let you catch your breath, get used to everything that's going on around here. But the subject is overheard hairdresser's cruelty. Dear Prudence, I was recently the man of honor in my very close female friend's wedding party. The wedding itself was really beautiful and fun, but there's one thing that's been bothering me ever since and I'm not sure how to handle it. At one point, I was in a hallway just ahead of the wedding hairdresser and her assistant. They had only just arrived and hadn't met anyone yet. I overheard the hairdresser complaining to her assistant. I hurt my arm yesterday working on a fat person. I fucking hate working on fat people. Prudy, my friend is a beautiful and confident woman, but her biggest insecurity has long been her weight. I immediately confronted the hairdresser to let her know who I was, that her comments were out of line, that she'd better not say anything like that in front of my friend, and remind her that she's a professional who's been hired to do a job. Her response was dismissive and rude, but when she did everyone's hair, she behaved well enough with only a few side-eye glances at me towards the afternoon. Of course, I didn't say a word that day to my friend. My question now is whether I should say anything to her at all. My instinct is to say nothing. I can't see any good that will come out of telling her what I heard. I thought a better plan of action might be to contact the management at the salon where she works and or to post some reviews publicly. This feels a bit petty to me, however, and there's certainly a good chance that it all might get back to my friend because this woman is friends with my friend's mother-in-law. I certainly don't want to put my friend in a difficult position with her new family. No matter how I think about it, I just can't shake the feeling that it would be wrong to do nothing but that trying to do something about it might blow up in my face. What say you? Ugh. I think I just want to start by thanking this letter writer. Like, you did some good man-of-honor action on that day.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, you say that you're worried to do nothing, but you haven't done nothing. You have done something, and you've been a really good friend to your uh, to the bride and have, you know, in the moment reacted and responded and called the, the hairdresser out and... um yeah, I commend you for that as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If if you're worried that like, if I don't take it further, I've done nothing. I don't think that that's true. I can understand weighing whether or not you want to take it further, especially because she kind of made it clear when you said that to her, like, fine, I won't say anything else, but I think you're being unreasonable. And I think this is ridiculous. And I'm going to sort of like non-verbally communicate to you throughout the day that, I think what I said was fine and that you're a killjoy or a spoil sport or something. So I can understand why there's that part of you that's like, was that sufficient intervention? But I think if you decided to leave it at that, to not let your friend know what had happened, you have successfully and and, and lovingly addressed this situation as much as you need to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and also really, I mean, to be honest, I almost wouldn't make this about your friend's weight or her insecurities around this because that comment is just offensive by itself. Even right. if the bride, you know, is doesn't have issues around her weight, um, and so I think you were you were right to be upset about this. You were right, ex- totally right to say what you did, and um, I agree with you, Danny. That if you know you decided not to do anything anymore, that that would be fine. However, if you did decide to do something, I think you know you're sort of laying out the different options. You might want to, you know, write some reviews publicly or uh, reach out to the manager. And um, I can see the the struggle there in like writing something publicly that then will come back to your friend. That might cause some issues with her new family. And so I would probably not do that if I were you. Um, however, I think if you do feel like you want to do more. You can always complain to the company or to management, and you know, not make it about your friend or her weight, but just about the fact that you found these uh, comments uh, offensive and insensitive.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I would come down on terms of the public reviews. Like, I do think that if it sounds like it might be a potentially small community, like if the hairdresser is a friend of the mother-in-law, and I just think. You know, since it, 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 there's there's a number of ways in which it could potentially get back to the bride that way, um, I do think erring on the side of making sure she doesn't hear about it because that would hurt her deeply um, is a good one. So I, I probably would not do the public review, um, you, you know you could call management, usually with salons, especially people who like go out and do big events. It's a sort of like, like they have a contract to have a chair at the salon. It's not exactly like your direct boss. It's more like a kind of contract agreement. So I I don't think she would necessarily be in trouble of being fired or anything, but you could certainly call and say like, hey, I'm worried that, you know, if I were to ever hire somebody from your salon for an event that they might show up and say things like this and I would just, you know, love to know if you ever talk to your hairdressers about this sort of thing or if you have any sort of like professional yeah. standards of behavior. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm on the fence about that. I think you can. I think it's unlikely that that will go much further. I think you did good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I also, I also don't think that it would necessarily go much further. But at the same time, I recognize that you seem to still be sort of struggling with it, you know, so if that will give you some sort of closure to say, okay, I've done the thing in the moment, and then I've done the formal thing and spoken, you know, called somebody and said, uh, please make sure that weddings are a place of joy and happiness and love and not, uh, you know, offensiveness, then why not? If it if it makes you feel better and gives you some closure as well.
1: Yeah, I think you handled it great in the moment. Um, I'm so glad your friend was able to, you know, go through with her wedding day and did not um, have a sense of what was going on. And um, I, the only other thing I might worry about is if you thought she was like likely to use that hairdresser again for a future event. At that <laughs> point, you might want to consider saying something again. But yeah, I, I think you handled it as about as much as you need to. Totally. Huh. All right. And again, just I'm I'm happy that your friend has you in her corner. That's really important. And what she said was just horrible and so unnecessary and just ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And also, I mean, how do you hurt your arm like this? I mean, that was exactly
1: <laughs> my thought. Like, if you hurt your arm like curling or cutting someone's hair. Uh, yeah. Th- th- there were many reasons that I found that statement ridiculous. That was absolutely one of them. But. I don't want to get bogged down too much in our very first letter because we have a lot to get through today. Would you be so good as to read the second letter? Of course.
0: The subject line is Award Points Etiquette. Dear Prudence, Two friends from college and I have decided to take a girl's trip, just the three of us, away from kids. We haven't seen each other in years and we're going to spend a weekend in Phoenix relaxing and catching up. My friend's husband offered to reserve the hotel room for us on the points he has accumulated traveling for work. What a generous offer. Now that the room is booked, the same friend has told us to buy her meals and a spa treatment in return for the points that are being used for this room. I would rather have just paid my share for the room. Do I have to buy my friend these meals and spa treatments?
1: No. so... (laughs) It's just so ridiculous and transparent. And the only reason she thinks she's going to be able to get away with it is if everyone feels too uncomfortable to say, this is ridiculous. But you just need to say, this is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, you absolutely do not have to buy these meals and spa treatments. And I suspect, I mean, you haven't seen each other in a long time. And if she hadn't asked, then you might have considered doing something nice. Because, you know, these points are worth money. You acknowledge the offer was generous. Uh, But this isn't something you've agreed to beforehand. So... This is such a weird, ridiculous and unreasonable expectation. So no, yeah. you don't.
1: Yeah. And and the way to like say that, I think, is just like, hey, there was such a lovely suggestion to offer us so the points. Had I realized that you wanted to use it to negotiate a different kind of arrangement, I would have said no and just gone splits on the room. So knowing that, then you can kind of propose to her two other options. One is like, do you want to rebook? Um, or I'm happy to get my own room. And just pay for that and, and and you can enjoy that room all to yourself. But no, you do not need to buy her all her meals and a spa treatment No, um, because her husband already had points from work travel. That is very silly.
0: <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. But I also think you haven't seen each other in years and you do have that trip planned and you surely do want to have a lot of fun. So maybe there is a way to say this, you know, in a way that's sort of loving and that, you know. Still makes everybody look forward to that trip.
1: And, oh, absolutely! Yeah. You can cheerfully say, "No, I'm not going to do that," <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to seeing you. I think I think you're right. People worry. People worry that like saying no to a friend means saying like no, and like you're a terrible person, and I hate you, um, or like this is a really big deal. But you can just say like, "No, that's not an arrangement that I would have agreed to if I had known about it." So no, yeah. I um, there's I can't remember now if we have it in the um, podcast. There's a letter I got from someone this week uh, where they were worried because they had recently taken a trip with a friend and stayed at a relative's house for free for a couple of nights. And then after the trip was over, they had said, oh, we should write a thank you note or send a little gift. And their friend had said, yes, I was thinking something in the neighborhood of $200. No way. (laughs) By the way, this is customary in my family. And people are already asking me why we haven't done it. And this person was like, Is this normal? And it's just like, no. Sometimes, (laughs) sadly, people use vacations to try to bilk their friends out of cash. And um, no, it is not normal to demand a $200 hostess gift. It is not normal to offer somebody a room paid for by points and then say, buy me a massage and all of my food for a weekend. Um, Those people are trying to take you for a ride.
0: Yeah, those people are trying to take you for a ride. And also, how is that customary in a family to pay each other to like stay over?
1: Listen, I have (laughs) definite questions about that. Um, I kind of wish I had saved it for the podcast because I'm now trying to think of whether or not I actually answered it. And um, I feel like I didn't, which is a shame. But.
0: I just love the thought that nobody would tell that person, oh, by the way, we're going to ask you for $200 for staying in this room. But then like a day after they've stayed in the room, everybody's talking about it. Everybody's like, right. how could
1: they not have paid? <laughs> well, and like trying to convince them because the person had also said, like, I kind of grew up without getting a lot of, of training from my parents in terms of this sort of thing. And, and like just imagining trying to say to someone like, oh, yeah, this is totally normal. If you, um, you know, you're a college student, if you crash at somebody's aunt's house for a couple of nights you have to buy them like two hundred dollar <laughs> lamp or something. I don't I don't even know. Um yeah. Incredibly gracefully. bizarre. Absolutely say no. It, it, again, this doesn't mean your friend is like a horrible monster or like a scam artist. It's not I wouldn't put it on the same level as like the trip is actually like a timeshare pitch. Um but she's just, what she's proposing is not going to work for you. And that's the magic phrase. Like, that's not going to work for me.
0: And also, I guess we're not really answering this letter because we haven't read the letter, but just, I mean, it's, 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 I think it's completely fine to say, that's not, that's not going to work for me, but I do want to write a really nice thank
1: you note. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So in both cases, the answer is that's not going to work for me. Here's what I can do instead. Um, and then you offer what you can do. Hopefully, at that point, your friend will say, all right, fine, and we'll go along with one of those other options. If your friend says, unless you come on this trip and are willing to buy me all of my meals, um, at that point, you know, you have a decision. Is it important enough to you to see these friends? Do you think that aside from this, she's going to be fun and reasonable to be around? And do you feel comfortable in the moment saying, I can't afford such and such a restaurant. I can afford this restaurant. Um, And in that case, you know, go and be prepared to do a little more uh, financial boundary setting than you had planned. And if you think that it's just going to feel unfun and miserable, you can just say, have fun in Phoenix, guys. (laughs)
0: Yeah, there's no point if you're if you know that you're going to feel uncomfortable or, you know, even resentful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, and again, everybody has their own sort of internal conflict threshold. And I think lots of us do have friends where sometimes they can be a little unpleasant around money or shared costs or something. And sometimes if it's low key enough, and they're otherwise delightful enough, it's like, okay, I have a friend who I know kind of always underpays on a group bill. But Everything else about them is so great that I'm willing to kind of put up with this. Or sometimes it's like, nope, this is representative of years of kind of looking to milk as much as they can out of everyone else. And I'm sick of it. And it's not worth it to me. And, you know, everybody has to make their own sort of individual call. Absolutely. even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. So we're moving on to one that feels a little bit more um, open-ended. I kind of went back and forth on how I felt about the letter writer's mother here.
0: Yeah, this one's quite complicated and um, has reminded me of situations that I've sort of experience or at least seen in the past as well. And I think it's super difficult.
1: Yeah. So I think it's my turn. The subject is my mom needs constant praise. How do I get her to stop needling me? Dear Prudence, my mother requires, and to me at least, unbearable level of appreciation. In my mind, if I ask someone to do something and they do it, a sincere thank you is adequate, possibly offering a little more if it's something big. However, my mother seems to expect more, even when it's for something I didn't ask her to do. That's not to say I'm not thankful when she does something I didn't ask for. It just seems worth pointing out that sometimes she decides to do these things all of her own volition in order to demand gratitude from me. Additionally, she will often say things like, aren't you appreciative of, for example, me driving you to the airport, which sort of kills all the gratefulness that I might have had? It especially bothers me when she asks that after doing something that you'd kind of expect a parent to do, like when she picked me up when my car broke down. Overall, I can't figure out what she expects from me, and this has led to a lot of conflict over the years. What are your thoughts? Am I really being that entitled slash ungrateful? Is she being unreasonable?
0: So so what did you go back and forth on on this one?
1: Well, t- to me, like, um, the, the examples that were given didn't seem egregious. Um, mm-hmm. So like... Um, I I actually think, you know, if your parent comes and picks you up when your car breaks down and you're not like a teenager learning to drive, that's a little bit above and beyond, actually. Like, I would say, you know, I'm at a stage in my life where if my car breaks down, my parents are not the first people I would call. Um, If I did, they're both fairly busy, and if they were able to make it out to help me out, I would be really grateful. I don't think I would necessarily be like, you're my parents. You always have to be the person who picks me up if my car breaks down. So, that to me seems not unreasonable and again that question of like hey don't you appreciate that i drove you to the airport again if it's part of a pattern of really egregious stuff i could see how it would great but since these are the only two examples we got and they didn't neither one struck me as really like out of line i feel a little like i wish i had more examples of the earlier behavior of like at what's like when have you, do you have a history of like not saying thank you until you're prompted? Um, what are the things that she does for you to ask for praise? I just that I think that's why I wish I knew more because neither of these felt like yeah that's really not cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the thing that sort of tipped it for me, kind of to be um, a little bit biased maybe t- towards the letter writer is when they wrote that um, the mother sort of creates situations. Where then the letter writer has to be great, grateful for something that she does, and there isn't really a good example at all here in the letter. Um, but it almost sounds like maybe it's difficult even to name that because there are these like patterns that develop over so many years and from you know early childhood and kind of our relationships with our mothers, and um, and so so that is sort of where I felt for the letter writer and thought, okay, well maybe this is a way. That is almost very hard. To, maybe that's a situation that's almost hard to call out because the mother creates a situation, then does something nice, then says, aren't you going to say thank you?
1: Right, right. No, that is a really good point. I do think I I, I don't want to go so far as to say your mom sounds great. You're totally out of line here. I agree that like the whole like, oh, I bought you a jacket that you didn't ask for this afternoon. <laughs> aren't I the greatest? Aren't you grateful? That that absolutely is is frustrating and, um, demanding. Yeah. And, and
0: you're right. I mean, we don't really know these situations. The ones that are in here, like, you know, aren't you appreciative of me driving you to the airport? I mean, you should thank somebody who's driving you to the airport. Like the only reason why they would say that is maybe because you haven't said thank you. So yeah, in this situation, just say thanks to your mom, you know, (laughs) it it can be quite easy.
1: Yeah. But I, I do, I think we've kind of, Address that part. And I do also want to acknowledge, like, to you, there's also ways in which she needles or creates situations where she can demand a lot of praise from you, like, beyond what you think is appropriate. And that I think is a legitimate thing to want to set a boundary on. So, when it comes to that, I think my advice would be twofold. One would be, frankly, if you need a ride to the airport or if your car breaks down, I would develop a network of semi emergency contacts who are not your mom. Mm. Um, And, you know, talk to like I I realize not every kind of like friend or partner is always going to be available for that sort of thing. But I think to sort of check in with your friends and say like, hey, I'm getting a little older. I don't want to just like automatically put down my parents for who I'm going to contact when like a car breaks down or I might need a ride to the airport. Would you ever be available for that kind of thing? And like, if so... I'll try to ask you in advance. Um, so you so you have a sense of like, oh, these three people said they'd be sometimes available to like, you know, emergency dog sit or take me to the airport or whatever. So that when you need those little favors, you know you don't have to go to your mom. And I think that's going to go a long way towards making you feel like um, you have options.
0: Yeah, totally. It's it's almost like there are kind of like two things here. One is a little bit to reduce these situations, like the amount of situations where you have to, uh, where you find yourself having to be more grateful, maybe, than you feel. And that's sort of Danny, I think what, what you were saying just now. But then there's also something about the relationship with your mom, right? And sort of thinking about, okay, w- w- why is it the way that it is and how can you draw boundaries? And depending on how serious this is, I think this could be a good case for therapy where you get a better understanding of some of these like patterns between you two, and um, and understand more sort of how you can push back when need when you need to, but also truly appreciate when she does something that's just nice. Right.
1: Right. And I I think that that's, you know, a great point because like the foundation of therapy is basically like I'm frustrated with my mother. So (laughs) this is like a classic, classic reason to go into therapy. Um, You know, I, I think it's also really okay. Like if your mom does or gets you something and you feel like she did it in order to be thanked, you can say no um you can say you know no thank you my closet's really full up already i really appreciate your thinking of me but i don't need this um and uh, again i think she would probably at least at first try to push harder or or say like but i spent so much time you know picking it out or but like you know i spent all this money on it or whatever you can just say yep i hear that i didn't ask you to do that um so i don't know how you're going to solve this problem but good luck uh, and you can say that kindly. You don't have to yell or or, or or get really sarcastic with her. But you can say, I didn't ask you to do that. I don't know how you're going to solve this one, but this one's a problem for you to solve. And just patiently and gently, don't let that become your problem. Um, that will feel probably quite new. She will probably not like it. That is okay. And and if she is kind of pushing, and you've already you've already felt like you said thank you, I think that might be an opportunity to ask her a question. I, I I don't know if you otherwise have an okay relationship, but it does sound like you're pretty close. You see each other a lot, so I think there's an opportunity to say like, mom, I, as I saw it. I, I thanked you. I thought we were having kind of a nice interaction. Is there something missing going on right now? Like what what part of you feels like you're not getting a need met? Or or is there something that that you need from me right now that you're afraid to ask for? Like what's going on? And not everybody responds to that kind of question with an immediate like, oh, I've thought about it and here's what's going on with me. Like sometimes the initial response can be defensive or cagey, but there may be something going on there that you two can honestly talk about
0: yeah and and i think that what the key word um that you that you used just now is need right like what are the needs kind of that the mother has and has had that prompt her to kind of seek that like all that gratitude from you and um you know it might work to ask that flat out though i imagine that she might get quite defensive um but it might also it might be worth sort of like paying a bit more attention to you know like her relationships with other people. I don't know who else is there in the family. Like, is this something that she kind of does with people? And is there a way for you as a family or a community or, you know, to um, to to think about as well around like, well, what, what is it that like causes her to behave like this? And is there a way that we can help her?
1: Right, because like, again, I'm kind of, uh, assuming at this point that she's otherwise like a, a pretty reasonable and, and and good person to interact with and that this is sort of the one big area that's really frustrating. And so I just wonder if there's an opportunity to say like, Mom, I love you so much. You've been a great mom. You've done a lot for me. I'm really grateful You've you've helped shape me into the person I am today. But sometimes, uh, you know, it feels like the way in which you want or need or ask for thanks feels really intense or really big, um, or like you'll you'll do something that I haven't asked for, and then seem really hurt when I don't thank you for it. And I, I just want to know more because I, I just want to know if there's something that I'm missing or ways in which you feel neglected or left out or instrumentalized, and I would I would want to hear more about that. So. And that might also prompt her to do a little reflecting and and you can ask those questions and still say no when she invents something for you to be grateful for. You get to do both of those things. I, I don't wanna suggest that just because you ask her a gentle open-ended question, that means you have to be completely like bending over backwards to accommodate her. It's also totally okay to start pushing back in some places and opening up in others. Absolutely. I really like that. And you know, good luck. I feel like I often hear about people whose moms have gone like so far over the line, there's just sort of nothing to be done, but say like, I can't talk to you. So when there's a relationship where there is an opportunity to learn more or to try to understand one another better, I always want that because I think, you know, it's better if you're able to talk to your parents. I only want to hold that in reserve when everything else has broken down.
0: That's that's so true. And also, you know, and do check your own, like, are do you feel like entitled sometimes to some of those things you know you're saying like normal parental things um and why not say thank you when it's nice
1: yeah yeah there's i I hope and i think that there's room for for growth on both sides and i just wish you a lot of luck because i also you know i think everyone understands the way it can feel like oh i just can't maintain (laughs) perspective here get to therapy it'll be helpful i hope so Uh, amira this next question yes has been (laughs)
0: It's mind-blowing. When I first read the questions and I saw this next one, I shut down my computer and and just didn't engage with it for a while. And then sort of came back and um, was just, just, I'm speechless. I'm even speechless now.
1: Yeah. I guess I'll just read it.
0: Um, I, I don't think
1: we can prepare our listeners anymore. no. No. Do you do you want me to Oh read wait? It? No, you read. That's right. I read the last one. Please. Sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to because it's so intense, but it's yours. You
0: uh, heard it. OK, I'm ready. I- I'm not going to be speechless. Okay. The subject line is I was accused of urinating in a chair by my boss. Dear Prudence, I just got out of a meeting with my manager where some very odd allegations were leveraged against me. I was asked if I had ever urinated in a chair at my station, if I had ever used a derogatory slur for gay people towards another employee, and if I had ever called a specific co-worker after hours asking if he was gay. I don't even have this coworker's number. This is beyond mortifying because I've never done any of these things, and I'm unsure what my next step should be. Help.
1: Yeah, let's just start with, I've never received a question like this. <laughs> I'm a little stumped. Because what's so weird about this is either your manager is making this up or someone else and like not just making this up but made up like, okay, I'm going to say they pissed in their chair at work <laughs> and then they called a coworker after hours and said, are you gay? And, and then the other option is someone else has done this.
0: Yeah. Someone
1: else like – pissed in your chair <laughs> and you didn't notice but your boss did Th- that that's the part that's wild to me is like surely if anyone had urinated in your chair at work you would be the first to know because you would sit down in your chair and you would say oh it smells and feels as if someone has recently uh peed all over this
0: and also how is it it's such a random collection of things it's like so you're Somebody peed on your chair or 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 nobody did. I didn't even consider the idea that the manager might have like... Ma- I mean, who makes that up?
1: I mean, no, I don't think that that's extremely likely, but this is already <laughs> so unlikely that, you know.
0: So, so there has been some urination. Also, at work, there has been a use of a derogatory slur for gay people. But then also... Somebody called a specific coworker, and it's not clear if that's the same person as the first person, to ask if he was gay. Right. So the only way, I mean, this is completely wild, and I've never heard anything even remotely like it. I imagine that the manager is trying to do some weird kind of investigation and surely asking other people to
1: I sure hope so. Yeah, I mean, at at this point, like, just in terms of what do you do? Because until you find out the origin of these accusations, um, there's not a lot you can do about speculating. So, like, as bizarre as this is, I think, you know, hopefully you were able to make it really clear with your boss, like, no, I didn't do these things. Um, if, If you want to, like, revisit and just say, like, you know, again, I can assure you I don't have this person's number. I have never called them. Um, I'm happy to answer any other questions about this. Not not in the sense of, like, please ask me a lot about this, but just in the sense of, like, can absolutely clear this up. Um, and can I, I actually, have
0: a new chair, maybe?
1: I would also consult a lawyer at this point. Um, not because I think you're going to need to hire one right away, but just because both of these could potentially involve, like, you know, Pissing on a chair at work could potentially fall under sexual harassment in terms of like making a workplace really hostile, and as well as using gay slurs. So this is just serious enough that I think you should contact a lawyer, ask a couple of questions, find out what they would encourage you to do. If you all have an HR department, you know, check in with HR. um, Tell them that you're distressed by these accusations. Um, and that you just again like would like to go on record as denying them but I think that's my best advice is go to HR and contact a lawyer um, yeah I mean
0: I I, I would, would have loved to know a little bit more detail uh, or maybe not but like I would have I would have really liked to understand sort of how the manager reacted when you said I have not done any of those things because it depends a little bit so it depends a little bit on the relationship with the manager because if the manager is kind of you know accepted that and believe that and and you have a strong relationship then you might be able to approach them and instead of you know uh, Danny I'm not sure if I would go in and be like please do ask me more questions about this this these are horrific allegations and that person has said very clearly you know I haven't the letter writer has said very clearly I haven't done any of this so I would maybe even go to the manager and just tell them that you know that you're more you were mortified to hear these allegations and if maybe the manager could provide a little bit more context and if there is yeah yeah
1: I, I think that the thing that i was curious about there is sometimes when it comes to internal investigations like it's company policy not to um reveal anything about where the accusations are coming from because they're concerned about retaliation yeah um or or you know th- th- So I don't know if your manager would be able to disclose that. Certainly, I think if there's any more light they can give you about like what, you know, can you tell me what first brought this to your attention? Like hopefully, yeah, hopefully your manager is aware of your character, Uh, which I I hesitate even to use because it's just like, you know, hopefully it would go without saying that your boss doesn't think that you would do those things. But um, I think... I would mostly advise this person not to try to get in touch with that specific coworker yeah. and say like hey you know it wasn't me right because Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did think about that. At the beginning I thought okay, well maybe depending on the relationship, they might say something like, you know, I'm very sorry that this happened to you. Um this isn't I I, I don't have anything to do with this. Uh but I'm, I'm I just don't feel like in a way, I don't feel like the colleague even needs to be pulled into these things it's sort of like bad enough that this happened and um, I I don't know what good would necessarily come out of it
1: yeah I I think as weird and intense as all this sounds and feels right now and this person wrote it as they just walked out of that meeting so I totally understand feeling just totally shell-shocked but I would say you know you didn't do it these are pretty specific allegations if there's no evidence that you did it I think it's going to be reasonably easy to clear your name that said like take the necessary precautions, consult a lawyer, um, talk to HR, um, and do your best to just focus on work to the extent that you can right now. I can certainly imagine just feeling like, oh, I'm supposed to just go to work knowing that somebody here thinks I did this. I, I think your name will be cleared in time, hopefully very, very soon. I would love to hear back from you. I would love to hear more if you find out anything else about Either who did it, or why someone thinks someone else did it, or or what.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, it's completely normal if you don't feel comfortable being at work, and frankly, also being sort of asked straight on if you peed on your chair and if you, you know, it is is a very unusual way of uh, of having these conversations in a workplace. So if yeah. if you feel weird about it, that's because it is weird. You should feel weird about it.
1: Yeah, I totally understand. I would also feel totally baffled, totally at sea. If anyone listening has any sort of expertise (laughs) in this sort of thing and and wants to offer some advice, please get in touch. Let me know. I will happily read it on the air the next time we record. And good, good luck. I really do think that it is, you know, unless there is evidence that you peed on that chair or that you made that phone call, you're not going to get blamed for it officially. That's Your name will be cleared. Definitely. Man, oh, man. Yeah. I am so excited about this last one. Oh, my one. God.
0: I can't wait. I love it so much. It's so ridiculous.
1: It is. I also, like, I just saw Hustlers, so I'm very much, like, in a particular sort of mood, which is just, like, you know, you. this is 100% on you. You have created this situation. <laughs> you have nothing to complain about. So.
0: I'm so ready.
1: Subject. I've been letting a hot personal trainer live in my condo, rent free for three years. Lately, I feel as though it might be a bad idea. And just, you know, thank you for writing such a wonderful subject line. I'm grateful to you for that. (laughs) Dear Prudence. When real estate was cheap during the last recession, I bought the condo next door at auction. My adult son there lived there rent-free while he attended college. He stayed there until he graduated, then moved out and moved in with his mom and sister in another city. A female acquaintance in the community called and said that she was being evicted from her condo and was desperate for a place to live. She was single, nearly my age, and very attractive, so I offered to let her move into the extra condo. She's a personal trainer with few clients and couldn't afford to pay even the electric bill for the place, let alone the rent. She was needy, and I was infatuated, so we began a relationship that lasted just a couple of months before we broke up upon finding out that we had nothing in common. When we had the final breakup conversation, I told her she could stay in the condo rent-free, but that I would expect her to move out when she found another guy. Unfortunately, it's been three (laughs) years, and she hasn't found a new relationship, and I don't think she's even looking. She seems to prefer solitude and free housing to having a mate. Since the condos are so close to each other, I could hear a male voice if she had a visitor, but that hasn't happened. I've tried to convince her to move in with one of her family members in another city, but she says that all her clients are in our city, and it would be super tough to start over. The condo has nearly tripled in value since I bought it, and I'd like to sell it, but it's beginning to look like I'll have to list it in my will so my kids can evict her. There's no graceful way out of this situation. Is there?
0: Oh my god.
1: (laughs) You know, you just silly, silly, silly person. Uh, You have done a very silly thing. And um, I love this lady. She's all she's doing. Like you offered her a plum deal. You said to her, you can live here until you find another boyfriend. And she is abiding by every word of that agreement. You don't have a leg to stand on here, pal. You offered it. She took it. You're just now realizing you might have made a bad deal. I'm I'm on team hot personal trainer all the way. I hope she lives there until she dies in a hundred years. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I mean, this would be have to be an amazing, amazing mate, as you say, for her to like give up a free apartment. <laughs>
1: like, I'm this with one's her. <laughs> incredible. Um,
0: and uh, also, you are wrong. You're in the wrong from beginning to end. And also, you don't have a real problem, actually.
1: Yeah, you already have a place to live. You're fine. It's just, I could make a ton of money. Oh, well, you'll have to content yourself with the money you have. Um, No, if anything, this letter and the last letter just convinced me what we need is like universal housing so people don't have to rely on somebody else finding them attractive to offer them an affordable place to live. Like all of us, even people who no one finds attractive, should be able to like have housing security um and it should not rely upon like people with bad judgment being like sure have my condo just don't get a boyfriend
0: yeah absolutely i mean um this this is this is just a it's it's kind of an amazing situation i mean yeah we're we're on the side of the hot you know personal trainer but there's also just a huge power imbalance there right and it's it's actually i mean apart from the fact that the letter is sort of st- silly in a lot of ways it's also quite upsetting don't you think
1: oh my god yeah absolutely (laughs) um no everything about like this woman's like ability to have a roof over her head could change at any moment depending on the whim of this guy who made her a really ridiculous like sort of indecent exposures or proposal type of um offer like three years ago um yeah absolutely
0: yeah i mean so you know like so when 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 he's asking you know I've, or when he says, I feel as though it might be a bad idea in the subject line, like, yeah, it was a bad idea, not because you lost money, but because you behaved like a dick.
1: Absolutely. And like uh, making somebody's like housing offer contingent upon as long as you're not fucking another dude is yeah. just it, it would be one thing if you two were like divorcing and you were like, OK, it's really hard to sell the house. We've been together a long time. We're going to cohabitate until one of us gets in a serious relationship because that would be difficult and awkward. Like that kind of arrangement, I totally understand. This is like, we hooked up for a couple of months, but like, rather than offer you either like a sensible rental agreement uh, or just say, yeah, stay here, whatever. um, You went with, you know, you must be celibate with men in order to live here.
0: Yeah, Um, and they hooked up for a couple of months after he gave her the apartment, right? So that's, that's just, it's just so messed up. He's like, yeah, you can stay in my condo, um, I'm also infatuated and you seem needy. So they hook up for a couple months. Then she's like, oh, I don't think we have anything in common. And he says, well, okay, but you can't have any other boyfriends.
1: (laughs) It's so weird. It's so weird. Like either you could have either offered her a lease. You could have said, sorry, acquaintance, I don't have a place for you to stay. Best of luck. And like, let her solve that problem on her own. Um, or, you know, like, I I don't know it's you you like bought this condo and then like you're like well my son lived there rent-free and then this hot lady lived there rent-free like what did you buy this condo for (laughs) if you're just gonna like put up couch surfers for years at a time
0: the most outrageous thing is that you've taken all these really bad decisions and meanwhile your condo has tripled in value (laughs) This (laughs) this makes me so
1: sad yeah, you have really bungled um, having a valuable condo. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't want to assist you. I want this woman to win. I don't want you to get one over on her. I'm not going to help you. I hope she stays there forever. That's my answer to this question.
0: Wow, that's harsh. Should I should I offer an alternative, or should we just leave it there? I don't.
1: I don't find it harsh, but yes, please, <laughs> by all means offer your alternative.
0: So um, when you say, you know, there's no graceful way out of the situation is there. I think none of this has been particularly graceful, nothing you have done. So you are not concerned with whether there is a graceful way out of the situation. So maybe the way out of the situation simply is to say to that woman, uh, I will sell the condo. I need you to move out by this date. And then you can sell your condo and live happily ever after and maybe not make that same mistake again, because you don't sound very nice.
1: I mean, I'll just throw this out there. The fact that she's lived there for the last three years and a number of states have laws protecting tenants' rights not to be suddenly evicted, she may very well like be able to take this to court. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be as easy as just saying, get out.
0: Oh, well, if that's the case, then I will uh, immediately support that woman and then I hope she wins in court.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, if you're going to try to evict her, you should probably talk to a lawyer about what her rights are in this state. Because if you try to illegally evict her, she could, you know, that would give her a real advantage. Um, and yeah, as much as I want her to be able to stay here forever, I, yeah. I do um, also not want to like put you in a situation where you're in this like lengthy stupid legal battle because you have failed to ask the right questions right Um, so yeah consult a lawyer find out what her rights are as a tenant um follow them abide by them give her as much notice as she is entitled to and then sell your damn condo yeah that's
0: that's not hard no, nah, it's not hard. And also be honest to your lawyer about the full uh, agreement that you had, just because it will make a big difference in how your case will be viewed.
1: Oh, God. Um, Can you imagine if she's like, well, I was told by my landlord I could stay here for free as long as I didn't have a boyfriend? Like,
0: He gave me a free apartment and then we started a sexual relationship. And after yeah. that was done, he said I couldn't have a boyfriend.
1: Yeah, I... uh,
0: It's no good. It's (laughs) like, it's not a good look,
1: man, so... You you (laughs) definitely got to talk to a lawyer and, yeah, be (laughs) super upfront, super honest, and then, you know, take whatever advice that lawyer gives you. And um, maybe in the future, don't buy condos. I don't know that you're suited to the landlord lifestyle. Um, I mean, I don't think many people should be, like, going into the landlord lifestyle, but just, like, you seem pretty bad at it.
0: Yeah, you suck at that. Don't don't do it. I'm sure you have other qualities... (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah. you did give the the condo to your to your son,
1: which was nice. Yeah, it's great. Um, and that's it. We um, we did it. How you did feeling? It.
0: Yeah, feeling feeling great. I mean, there was some uh, absurd, crazy stuff in here today. Super super fun.
1: I was trying to save the just like really intense, out there stuff because um, sometimes you just need uh, an episode where everybody swings for the from the fences. <laughs>
0: yeah. And has really strong feelings.
1: Really, really strong feelings. And I wish everyone the best um, possible version of their own future.
0: Yeah. And uh, good luck with your uh, mothers, your tenants, your landlords, and your girlfriends.
1: Yeah. And I, I wish you the best. How are you doing? What, how's your day been? What, what What's next for you after you've given all these people all this advice?
0: Well, we uh, I'm sitting here in my apartment in London surrounded by stuff because I've just moved in here. So uh, after this, I'm going to start unpacking some boxes.
1: Congratulations. Did you sign a lease? I
0: did sign a lease uh, with very normal and clear terms. And I am allowed to have boyfriends and girlfriends if I want to.
1: That is just terrific. That's frankly an <laughs> ideal situation. I know. and I just hope that everyone is able to 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 have that to just have a reasonable amount of um rent charged of them, reasonable expectations from their landlords. and um none of this uh, you can have my condo as long as by the way, like she also either. Either is just enjoying being single, or she has a girlfriend, and you're a chump. Um, or she has a boyfriend that she visits, and you're a chump. Like either way, you offered her a very chumpy agreement. Definitely, I need to leave that guy alone. I'm just—he's—he's he's just doing a lot. He's doing a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, well, yeah,
0: you, you took some bad decisions there.
1: But, yeah, yeah, I mean, like I think if you look back and you're like, "How did I get in this situation?" you're like, I can see clearly when I offered to let her live here for free as long as she never had a boyfriend. That was the start of my problems. That's the origin story. Yeah. yeah. Oh okay. Well, I, I want to leave you to your boxes. I wish you the absolute best with them. Uh, I'm gonna go see the movie Double Indemnity, and uh, I'm really excited about it.
0: Exciting. I hope you have a great time. Enjoy the movie Thank you. Oh, and I will. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Have a great rest of the night.
0: Thank you. Bye bye.
1: Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. And don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash Dear Prudence to subscribe. Remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash prudypod to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401 371 Dear. That's 3327 and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. a preview of our Slate Plus episode coming this Friday. The question is sort of like, how do I or in what order do I have a breakup conversation? We're worried about you and and we hope that you can seek treatment for your depression conversation and potentially an eviction conversation. Right. Three very different conversations and whether or not you want to have one would sort of inform the other. Like if you've decided I want to break up, I'd be willing to be supportive as a friend, but that's it. That's one thing. If you're like, I want to break up and I actually don't really care um, and I don't think I'd be able to be there for her to support her as she got treatment for her depression, it's better to be honest about that. To listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash prudypod.